You already know it's the Creator Spaces show. What's the difference between art and creativity? Is there a material difference between someone who is really listening to data and actively creating for the public versus someone who just goes to the beat of their own drum and creates what they want to create? I'm learning as my definition of those words evolve. My conclusion is that both are correct, with the only asterisk or nuance being if you opt for the road where you say, I want to create what I want to create, then you have to forego any and all external expectations. That includes? That includes profit. That's approval. Anything that you want to externally measure, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. If you are measuring your success based on attention, views, profit, likes, approval, whatever it is, you inherently have to be aware of the audience that you are creating for because your measurement is external, which means your inspiration in a sense has to be external. But if you are creating solely for yourself, I applaud that, but then don't post on Twitter and be like, why is no one reading my stuff? You have to pick. You get one or the other is my personal point of view. If you're going to create for other people and you're in the business of creating, then let's measure attention and let's listen to what the data is telling us and let's optimize for views, opt-ins, or profit because you're actively playing the game of external metrics. And if you're not, and that's not what you want, then we're talking about a different game. Most people only have one or two or three original ideas in their lifetime. And all of their efforts are steps taken to refine that one idea. And when you take the approach of, I'm just going to focus on building my library, what you're really doing is you're committing to the exploration of that one idea, the thing that's actually going to move the needle. Whereas if you're focusing on how do I build an audience, A, you're already focusing on the result, not the process that gets you there. Like building an audience is not a aim or a goal. It is an outcome. The goal should be, I want to write things that warrant having an audience, or I want to create things that attract an audience. When you commit to the process of refining that one idea, then over time, that one idea is what creates the gravitational pull. That's why everyone then starts to pay attention to you, because your one big idea is so different, because it took you 3,000 steps in order to get there. But people don't think about it like that. They think the opposite. They're like, oh, if I just build an audience on one platform, then I'm done. Whereas if you have the one idea, I think like Tim Ferriss, right? Tim Ferriss had one idea. It's called the four hour work week. That was it. Like literally his entire career is built (laughs) off of one idea. And now he can take that one idea to any new platform, anything he does, any interview, any whatever. It's all one idea. And if that's the focus, then that's how you get your shot at standing out on the bookshelf of life. But if you don't have that one idea, then what are you working toward? Because you're just working toward kind of blending into everything else. How are you building your audience now? And how do you feel about the term building an audience? I'll be honest. I don't even really think about it like, where am I building my audience, which might be to a fault. I focus a lot more on the library. Something that I talk about all the time is I am obsessive about how do I build a library that's going to stand the test of time or at a minimum remain relevant for 10 years. And then that way, every new platform that comes out, any new thing that I want to jump on, I can just bring my library to that platform. And I find that a lot of people don't think about it that way. But these platforms change and they go through cycles. So I think getting overly married to any one of them is a bit of a mistake. Whereas if you focus more on how do I just build this monumental, super valuable library of written content for myself, I can bring it wherever I want for the rest of my life.
And two, you have to detach yourself. I don't have the biggest audience on the internet. There are even days where it shocks me. <laughs> Sometimes I think I write really smart stuff and I'm like, why don't more people find me interesting? But at the same time, you have to remove yourself from that expectation. I shouldn't care whether I have 10,000 followers or 100,000 followers. I should care whether or not the work that I'm producing is actually different. And what I've started to realize, I have started this newsletter with two other guys called Category Pirates. And this might be some of the work that I'm most proud of ever. It is so fascinating to me. And every time we put something out, I'm a fan of my own work and I really love it. And yet not that many people know about it yet or not that very many people read it. To me, that's a better measure of success. I would rather have a thousand subscribers, but be a fan of my own work and love what I'm producing than have a hundred thousand subscribers and be like, eh, my work isn't even that dope. I guess that's just a personal preference. You really don't need a big audience in order to have a very high level of monetization. How do you actually go about making money now? My primary for the past four years has been ghostwriting. I have a ghostwriting agency called Digital Press, and we'll ghostwrite articles for CEOs, founders, public speakers, VCs, and they're all opinion articles. And I've written probably 2,000 of them at this <laughs> point for 300 plus different people. But there's a bunch of different sources like Ship 30 and Write the Ship is a newer business. And I'm bullish on that stock. But Digital Press was my primary foundation. And then I have ancillary income off of books that I've written. I wrote a memoir called Confessions of a Teenage Gamer. Those are a nice little income drip. I've done consulting. I'll do hourly power hours with people, consulting. I've done messaging, advising for companies. So once something I try and share with writers all the time is once you really understand the frameworks and basics and underlying principles of effective writing, and especially effective online writing, you can apply it to so many things. And you'd be astounded how much opportunity there is for really great writers out there. I'm convinced I'll never have a problem paying my rent ever again, because the amount of people in the world that need help with thinking is everyone. And writing is thinking and writing is clarity of thought and companies need that clarity. And once you have that, you have a skill that can be monetized just for decades and decades. One of the interesting things that's going to happen with DeFi or with crypto is that creators are going to be able to fund their work. So for example, BitClout, I have a coin, right? The more people that buy my coin, the more my market cap goes up, the more my ownership and myself goes up and all of the people who own my coin, then their ownership goes up. It's like a stock. Yeah. And so what you can see happening is say enough people buy my coin and they all go, you know what, Cole, we really believe in you and what you're building. I want to be part of that. I want to share in that upside. Then I'm going to be able to take out loans against my value. So say I'm valued at a million bucks. I can then go to a DeFi bank and I can go, hey, DeFi bank, I'm good for a million bucks. I need a quarter million or I need a hundred thousand to fund my next project. And they go, okay, we'll loan you the hundred K against your market cap, right? That's going to happen. That already is happening. It's just the number of people that have access to that or the number of people that even know how to use that or the number of people that even understand 30% of the words that I just used <laughs> is very small still. And not even this audience, like the vast majority of people. Most people don't even know what Bitcoin is yet. I think 
think that it's one of those heady, fun conversation and we can all like project into the future, but we have a long way to go and you're still just way better off. Just focus on the fundamentals. Like the platforms mm-hmm. are going to change, but if you understand how to bridge the curiosity gap in a title or you understand how to quickly reveal new information and keep readers engaged throughout a piece or you understand like visual formatting so that readers don't feel overwhelmed by what they're looking at, you can apply that to any new platform that comes out for the next 40 years and you're still going to be fine. What is your North Star metric for success? My one is, is what I'm creating today better than what I created yesterday? I'm like an old school writer that speaks the language of the digital world. And I care way more about mastering my craft, writing things that matter and pushing myself and wanting to be 80 years old and be like, wow, like legendary writer. What a career. That's what I want. Like I wake up every day and go, how am I going to have a library more impressive than Ernest Hemingway or like Nabokov? That's my measure for success. Like I want to end up at that level. The game that I'm playing and the vision that I have is a lot bigger. Here's what personal category creation in the context of career looks like. So I graduate from college. I start working at an ad agency and I realize that I'm never going to make more than 40K a year at this ad agency. And I start looking around and I realize everybody on the internet is like blogger. It's the most overused term I've ever seen in my whole life. And I didn't even understand the level of category creation that I understand today. This was like seven years ago. But on some level, I understood if I call myself a blogger, then I'm going to immediately be lumped into this category of writers that are like bottom feeders. And all of a sudden, I did it on accident, but some CEO reached out to me and he said, would you be willing to help other people with their writing? And he said to me, would you be willing to be my ghostwriter? I never heard the term before. And I didn't even know that this was a thing. The moment I started saying, hey, I'm not a blogger. I'm not a content writer. I am a ghostwriter. New category. If you are applying for a job, you are in the business of comparison because 100 people are applying for that job. And the only way that you step out of that game is you say, I'm going to create a different category for myself. I am purposefully making it difficult for you to compare me to someone. And by doing that, it raises the question, then how do I value you? And that's what you want. Here's a perfect example. Clubhouse, 10 months ago, raises 10 million bucks at a $100 million valuation. And then six months later, raises $100 million at a billion dollar valuation. And it's been like a year and a half. So how does that happen? The only way that happens is when investors go, I don't know how to value this thing. And the founders go, yeah, the way that we're thinking about it is this different type of category called spontaneous drop-in audio. How do we value that? Well, I don't know. Okay, so I guess we'll just start throwing numbers in the air. That can happen in terms of what career you have or what job you end up getting or what role you carve out for yourself. Credibility actually does not matter. Credibility matters in a comparison game. When you're talking about creating a new category, all that matters is the category itself. So let me give you an example. Say we both own a bar and restaurant and we both serve just a bunch of stuff with chicken. The the customer goes, okay, what's different between you two? 
The goal is to move yourself as far away as possible from what exists while still having some sort of hook to what matters to the customer. So say I start going, okay, I'm not just a bar and restaurant anymore. Now I am everything chicken. Every single thing in this restaurant has chicken on it. People start to go, okay, that's different. And then I go even further and I go, you know what? Now I'm changing the category and it's chocolate chicken. Every single thing on our menu is a combination of chocolate and chicken. Now the customer can't compare the two. They can't say your bar and restaurant and my bar and restaurant are the same. They literally have to ask themselves, what type of food am I interested in? What category do I want? So your goal, if you're a technical writer or you're a content writer or whatever it is, is you have to find ways to go, I am unlike the rest. And the more ways that you can move yourself away from what everyone else calls themselves and what everyone else defines as their measures of success, then yeah, on the one hand, it raises the question of what are you? But on the other hand, it opens the door of opportunity for you to define what you are, as opposed to the person who's evaluating you or hiring you or whatever to say, I've already defined you. And that's the goal. I've mentally committed the next, I'd say, two years to really sharing everything that I've learned up to this point. That's a real goal. That's hard. Yeah. I really, the rest of this year, I want to publish two more books in in this series, The Art and Business of Freelance Writing and then The Art and Business of Ghost Writing. I just know what it was like. I graduated with a degree in fiction writing and everyone was like, congrats, you're going to be broke for the rest of your life and you're going to work at Starbucks. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And I just, I didn't want that for myself. And I had a really hard time finding people that could show me a different way. Like they just is not that much high quality information on how to really think about building a career as a writer. And I've done it. Like I now basically get to do whatever I want on my own terms. And I did it all using my own craft. That's pretty amazing. So I would love to just take two years and just package everything that I've learned and go, look, here's a ton of different paths you can take. Here's everything that I've learned. Here's how to execute it on your own. Like, I just want to give, I just want to give and go, I did the journey. It took me 10 years. Here's everything that I learned. You can go do it now. And then after these two years, I'm going to change my focus a lot. And I'm going to dedicate a lot more of my effort to going, I've ghostwritten for hundreds of people. I've proved that I can beat the game of online writing. I've shared everything that I know. And now I want to dig into proving that I think I can be as great of a writer as I think I can be. And I think that's going to change where I spend my time a lot. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be? So I wrote a mini thread about it today. It's what we're talking about, this idea of if you're a creator, you're either creating for yourself and you have to let go of the expectations, you're creating for an audience and you're like very aware that you're playing that game or you're finding a blend of both. And it's been a very recent realization for me. And so I would love to send that back to 19-year-old, socially inept and Mm -hmm. emotionally challenged Cole. I would love that. But at the same time, I don't think he would have been able to hear it. And that's the irony of those types of questions. Like, I think I could go back and give them all the answers, but sometimes that's the whole point of the journey. That's how you learn. 